Well, hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you as always. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you are doing tremendous. We have an absolutely exceptional episode of the show for you today. We have Dr. Sasha Hines on and we are talking about developing mental resilience. We go into a lot of great topics in this show. We talk to a commitment to reality at all costs, the work of Scott Peck, toxic positivity, uh, why growth requires a challenge of 4%, developing our mental fitness, realizing we can grow from the cradle to the grave, analyzing old belief patterns, doing a self-examination of our thinking, tolerating our emotion, emotions, the importance of taking action, uh, transcending the socialized mindset, and the number one tip for overcoming the three Peas. This is a fantastic episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it. And if you want to support the show, please share episodes far and wide. Consider leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com for free or by donation. But the best way to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. And for those of you guys interested in working with me, there is going to be a new program coming out January 2023. Is that the year? I think so. We'll just say that. Um, 2023, uh, one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and some private. So if you have ever thought about working with me, just reach out. There are a number of ways we can do that for all uh, budgets and for all issues that revolve around uh, knowing and living your life purpose, overcoming some past limitations you may have had, peak performance and everything in between. So if you've ever been curious or wanted to work with me, uh, the project coming on in January is going to be about getting very clear on who you are, uh, how to respond to the challenging times we're in, uh, walking your life path, even if it's difficult, knowing really who you are, developing a stronger spiritual connection and mental and physical uh, perseverance and resilience. So if that sounds fascinating to you, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com, and I would love to hear from you. So that's it. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, passion, purpose, strength, and get ready to enjoy this phenomenal episode with Dr. Sasha Hines. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a PhD academic who went mainstream using her background as a developmental psychologist to become a mindset coach. She helps her clients make real transformations, giving them the tools to develop their mental fitness by facing challenges and breaking our mind's default modes of stress, self-criticism, and anxiety. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sasha Hines. Hey, it's so good to be here. I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, the topic is very Me fitting too. today because I feel like so many people are stressed out. They need to develop their mental fitness, their mental fortitude, learn how to handle stress, learn how to handle adversity. Um, but I shortened your bio. It's actually quite interesting. So you want to share your background with the audience and just get them up to date a little bit. Yeah, I, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm one of the few people out there. I think, you know, that I went mainstream. I mean, funny thing is, I think I'm one of the few people that actually went into the field of coaching from academia. You know, I, I uh, got my master's in positive psychology at Penn, and then I went on to get my PhD at Columbia in developmental psych. But I wanted to be a coach the whole time. There was not... Um, 
I didn't equivocate. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, which by the way, at that time, and, you know, sort of the, I went to Penn when I was like 2005, we were the first class of graduate students who'd ever um, gotten a degree in positive psychology. It was very, very new at the time. So, um, you know, the idea that uh, my colleagues at, at Columbia are like, why are you even bothering getting a PhD? I wanted to go through that process. It felt important to me. I was young. Um, but I always did this wanting to be a coach, not a clinical psychologist. Well, that's amazing. And, I mean, I oh. think, yeah. No, I was just saying, because the whole field is, you know, I mean, we focus on disease disorder pathology. It's sort of built out of the medical model. Um, which makes sense, you know, you're, you're working with someone with an acute issue and trying to help them. But then there's 80%, if, if you know, a, more or less 20% of people at any given time are dealing with some kind of clinical psychological disorder. That's not a small number. That's a pretty big number. So let's just off the bat, you know, two out of 10 people, it's not a little bit, but then there's also that 80% we're just the walking wounded. We're just normal humans um, dealing with the basic um, challenges of adulthood, the basic challenges of life and life is hard, full stop. So there really wasn't a psychology developed uh, to handle or to address the sort of normative challenges of adulting. And that's always what I wanted to do. Well, that's amazing. And I like how it's, you know, it's called applied uh, positive psychology. And I think that some of that, I don't know if the, I forget what the word is, but it's like, uh, I learned it at Burning Man once. It was like, it, you're positive to the point of being reckless. I, do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's funny. Someone called me that and I was like, oh, Pollyanna, that's what it is. <laughs> and I was like, oh shoot. I was like, or I can gloss in if we're going with candy, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that is me. Um, but you know, I feel like it's important to understand that life is challenging, but how do we use that like positive mindset? So you talk about that. And I, I think that's a great place to start. Like where does positivity become like dangerous where you're not like factoring in what the dangers are. Like, I know this from snowboarding because if I'm teaching an athlete, they want to do a backflip. I'm like, you're not ready. Like if you go do mm -hmm. this, you might get hurt. However, if you do the work before you prepare the right way, then you're ready to go. Then you're going to decrease the risk. If you just think you're going to do it you might but you also have a good chance of you know going to the hospital you have real world consequences yeah i i mean um scott peck who uh, i don't know if you've ever read any of scott peck's books um the road less traveled is probably his most famous um but you know sort of renowned um american psychiatrist um in the 20th century and he wrote a book, The Road Less Traveled, and his, the first line, of which I've already sort of alluded to, the first line of the book is life is difficult. Um, you know, like, like, let's just set that as the premise, right? Like that's, that's a fundamental truth, a fact of life is that it's difficult. And when we ignore this, we get into trouble. Um, but our job is to transcend this truth, right? is to deal with it. And, um, you know, but, but it's Scott Peck, his definition of mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. So if we're committing to reality, then that is committing to the reality that, um, I may not have the skills appropriate to do something like a backflip, which is really important because you're going to put yourself into danger. And I think that it's 
this idea of sort of toxic positivity. And I get, you know, asked a lot about toxic positivity because people think positive psychology. So like happyology, it's this idea that we're just supposed to be happy no matter what, which is not true. Positive psychology was, you know, developed as a subfield of the larger field of psychology to address this imbalance of over-prioritizing, you know, disease disorder and dysfunction um, and negative affect and really looking at like, what is optimal human functioning? What does the good life look like? How, how, what are people that are self-reporting as, you know, with high in meaning and high in positive relationships and um, high in positive affect or positive emotion, what are they doing um, that we can learn from? And so it really was here to address this imbalance. It wasn't um, established to sort of say, to take over in some sort of way or as a something completely separate. It was, you know, it's a part of a, a whole, a very diverse, you know, there's many, many different fields of psychology. Positive psychology happens to be one of them, but if we're not committing to reality. I mean, we're not even on the playing field. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I love that. And I've never heard that um, sentence before commitment to reality at all costs. And this is something for me as like a, you know, martial artist is kind of how I view the world. And so I just think about, you know, like a, a real threat. Like if I pretend it's not there, I may get harmed. Just like same thing with extreme sports mm-hmm. and snowboarding, all the coaching I've done. And I've seen this in the world of how people kind of operate about what, what, what are some of these outside things that, uh, you know, are real threats. And if you don't pay attention to them, you're going to make a decision that might cost you for doing that. Right. So it's not to be afraid of the changes or the adaptations that you might need to make. It's addressing reality as it is. Um, and this was actually one of the frustrating ones too, working on human trafficking, because I didn't know how bad it was. And I started to learn about it. And I thought, huh, this is insane. And um, uh, forget who it was, but uh, someone came on my show and he just talked about how um, basically these evil systems can continue to thrive if we don't address that they exist right? If we address that they exist, we can come up with a solution, but they count on us just ignoring it. And that's what I found that a lot of people do. So um, in that kind of vein, like how do we look at some of the challenges maybe in our own life or maybe out in the world? And there's a lot of crap out there now. How do we view it and accept reality as it is, as maybe as horrifying or as terrible as it might be, and then still have like a positive mind frame around it? And that to me is what martial arts teaches. It teaches to overcome adversity. Like a lot of it's going to suck, but you do have the capability and you can have the mindset and fortitude to overcome that challenge, even if it is, uh, you know, very hard. Yeah. I mean, I think when people talk about toxic, I don't like to talk about it as toxic positivity. I find that to be a frustrating term is it's not positivity. It's just like garden variety denial. You know, that's what it is. So, I mean, we're, we're not being, it's not toxic positivity. It's just denial. It's just ignoring the facts. It's ignoring the realities of what is going on. And, 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 you know, at, at any given time, like there's a lot to internalize. So I understand sometimes it's a little much, we need a break. It's a little intense. We want to escape um, into some fantasy world for a little bit to, um, you know, reality can feel pretty harsh and intense at times and you want to break, that's fine. But you have to, but acknowledging what that is, acknowledging that I'm going, you know, I'm sort of in my own little fantasy world and then I'm returning back to reality, whether that's watching a show or some reading a book or, you know, distracting yourself and entertaining yourself in some way, but that your life is attending to the facts and our life becomes so much more chaotic when we don't. 
we create so much more chaos for ourselves. We create so much more, um, you know, problems when we actually don't attend to reality. It's being able to actually, um, and there's so much interesting research about this. I think that's that's not uh, that's not discussed enough. But in if you look at goal setting literature, all of this, if you, you really have to, um, if we stay in dreaming and wishing, and we don't butt that fantasy that dream up with against reality we don't actually accomplish much so there are pl- i mean we all know there are, and we've all done it where we've had a fantasy a dream and we talked about wanting to do something but we never actually but we never actually kind of um you know butted up against the truth the reality of like okay well what is this actually going to mean what's this going to cost to do it and I'm talking about just financially. I mean, what's the time commitment this is going to require? What's the focus it's going to require? What's the, you know, attention this is going to require? Um, what are the boundaries this is going to require? How, what am I going to say no to in order to say yes to this thing that I'm talking about? Um, you know, uh, I, I like really actually recognizing the obstacles. And when we address the obstacles, <clears throat> that raises our blood pressure makes sense because it all of a sudden we've got this irritant. It's not just like, Oh, mellow, easy. I've got my vision board and I'm just going to go magically manifest all this stuff. Right. You actually have a moment of like, you know, splash of freezing ice, cold water to the face, you know, you're Wim Hof methoding yourself, right. You're just going in the ice bath. I'm like, Oh gosh, (laughs) what is, what is this going to require of me a lot? And oh my gosh, whatever it is, like I'm going to have to put my opinion out there in public. Oh, I don't want to do that. Um, I'm going to have to study for long hours and that stinks. I don't want to do that. I'm going to have to train really, really hard and my body's going to hurt and I don't really want to do that. Um, I don't know. Whatever the thing is, when you begin to get real about what the commitment is going to require, what are the obstacles, right? It, it should activate you. It should create some internal friction. That's good. We want our blood re- pressure to rise a little bit because it's going to give us that enough activation energy to then initiate the behavior, right? So it's, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of really interesting research um, that comes, you know, out of NYU on this particular topic of if you want to accomplish things, if you actually want to, if you, it's not just setting a goal, if you want to finish the goal, you want to do the thing, then Yes. Dream big. And the order of operations matters. You want to dream first. Don't cut yourself off. Don't like, you know, naysay, go big dream. But then you've got to then confront immediately. What are the obstacles to this dream? You know, if you have a dream of accomplishing something, I don't know in my world, like, you know, for many, many years in academia, I was like, okay, if I have a dream of accomplishing something um, academically, awesome. Let's go for it. But then it's, well, what's that going to require of me? A lot of work, right? So that is there to get us moving as opposed to when we stay in, and actually the, the research, the biological research is absolutely fascinating is that when we dream, it lowers our blood pressure. It's like sitting in, you know, it's like we, we sit and we drink a glass of wine. It's like our vision board is like, you know, our little elixir makes us feel good about this fantasy future that's going to be so amazing, but we don't actually take action toward it happening. 
Yeah, I totally agree with all that. And it reminded me of a few things. One of them is just, uh, you know, in Steve Kotler's work, he talks about growth or challenge, right? And we want to push ourselves by about 4%, you know what I mean? And so in the same thing, and, you know, everything I was related to sports again, or even weightlifting, you just bump the weights up a little bit over time, then you're lifting a lot of weights, or you're, you're excelling at your, your sport, or whatever the case is, you run a mile, then you run a bit farther, and a bit farther, and a bit farther, we require challenge to grow, because otherwise, you're staying the same, or you're, you're going backwards. And then I love what you talked yeah. about is analyzing the obstacles. One of the things that I'll get my clients to do is, um, when they pick the goal, analyze your limiting beliefs, which is very similar. So that's a great one into mm-hmm. I actually categorize those two things. What are the obstacles? But what are the first limiting beliefs that come up because when you identify them um, then they're not as scary when they're back in the unconscious mind and they're in the closet they're like these big scary you know hurdles that you're never ever going to get over but when you write them down and you kind of confront the worst case scenarios usually it's something in well 99 percent of the time something that you can handle and at least you can make that decision you know what i mean you can say you know what i'm not strong enough to handle this and then maybe you could work at where you are from there but most of the time you're going to be like you know what i am strong enough to to handle that so when a person what i'd love to ask is like how do you recommend people start to develop this like mental fitness and resilience and you talk about a lot of great things that i want to get in like the, the, the three p's of socialized mindset i think that's important too but maybe we can just mm-hmm. talk about a little structure for like developing mental fitness and resilience because i find that ma- many people don't want to go over like a small hurdle then alone to get to like the bigger ones they face. But if you can start taking these little tasks over and over and over, you realize you're capable of a lot more than you give yourself credit for. Totally. Um, You know, we develop our mental fitness in the same way that we develop our physical fitness, which is by practicing and becoming more skillful and engaging in it. Um, You know, if you think about childhood and our, um, focus on child development in those early years, which is critical and extremely important. I think everybody agrees that, um, you know, helping a child develop optimally is a good thing. We, we, we hopefully put a lot of attention and care into that, but we then have this kind of collective notion that it ends <laughs> like in our twenties, but that's just not true. Um, humans develop from cradle to grave. It doesn't stop. And so often I think um, adults stop their growth and development inadvertently in their sort of 20s, 30s. It starts to sort of, maybe they take on some um, professional challenges, but there's sort of this sort of drop off, um, this plateauing that occurs. And, um, you know, we have the same responsibility in adulthood to develop our meaning making systems, to become more sophisticated in our thinking, to, um, as you know, in your language, to bust through these limiting beliefs that um, made a lot of sense when we were 10, but maybe don't make so much sense anymore now that we're, you know, 45. Um, and being able to actually do the work of self inquiry and, and to challenge some of these beliefs, these assumptions that we have about who we are and what we're capable of and what's possible for us or the way the world operates. Um, you know, maybe some of these belief systems that we developed in our younger years, uh, they need to be examined in the light of day. Like, does this actually make sense? Is it accurate? Is it accurate all the time? Is it maybe only accurate in certain situations? Um, and, and we rarely do this work. So, um, I, you know, I think simply developing that um, resilience and mental fitness in adulthood is really about three very simple things. It's about one, examining our thinking, 
you, you thinking is starting the cascade of all of it, right? So we we first got to understand like what are the thoughts, what are the what's the mindset, what's the belief systems at work here, what are the assumptions at play that we are doing a real work in adult uh, development is questioning these thoughts, is 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 like you know changing the lens that we see the world. So that's number one, our thoughts, tolerating. So examining our thinking, two, tolerating emotions, learning how to actually sit with an uncomfortable feeling, recognizing that like, as much as I loathe, and I'm like every other human being, I loathe feeling shame. I loathe feeling vulnerable, please. No, thank you. I do not like feeling vulnerable. Um, I, I don't wanna feel, um, you know, disappointment. That does not feel awesome. I don't want to feel grief. I mean, I'm a mother. Like, you want to talk about fe- emotions that are terrifying to me? It was one of them, right? So I don't want to feel any of these feelings, just like every other human being. I have a, you know, there's a series of emotions. I'm like, no thanks. But the more I can practice tolerating those feelings, the more I can accomplish in my life because that's not the big barrier. It's not like I'm not facing this massive infinitely mass, you know, wide wall of difficult emotions that I'm refused, that I just want to avoid at all costs, which limits my life and makes my life tiny. Right. So examine our thinking, tolerating, um, challenging emotions. Absolutely. And being, learning how to sit with that biochemical wave that's happening, not feel amazing, but it's going to pass. And then the third important piece of this thoughts, emotions. And then the third is actions. Hey, we got to take action. So, you know, our thoughts are generating that emotional feeling and then the emotions are telling our body what to do. But that the third piece is action. And I find with my clients that when my clients are stuck, they're way too much in their thoughts and emotions. Sometimes I'm like, okay, we're going to have to take action. Very modest, safe, like nothing too major but we're gonna test out the assumptions that you have, right? We're gonna take action to, with the intention of, let's question whether that belief that you have is actually true. So like in, a fit, in fitness, we do this all the time, intuitively, right? I don't know that I can lift that weight. Well, I don't know, let's see. Let's test out that assumption. Let's take some action. And if you're working with a trainer, you're working with, you know, in some kind of system that's, you know, responsible, you're gonna, do it incrementally, right? And, and it, in the process of getting more fit, you're busting through all these assumptions of like, it's not possible for me. I'm not fit enough to do that. I could never run that long or I could never lift that amount of weight. It's like, well, let's see. But we, if we can extrapolate that into the rest of our life, like what else is possible for us? I could never be a public speaker. I don't know, maybe not, maybe that's not true. Right. But then it's, are we willing to go patiently work through each step of the way and busting through those assumptions, examining our thinking, tolerating challenging feelings and taking um, safe and modest steps forward, you know, and if, if you can do those three things, you are, you are engaging in the process of your own development. I love that. It's, it's very simple and practical. Um, I think so many people don't ever reflect, 
you know, or analyze things, right? Just even testing your assumptions or bringing them up and, and doing some self-reflection because in work, it's interesting because in working with athletes or working with regular people, you can have people in their seventies or eighties, and they might have a limiting belief that they formed in childhood. Those are the hardest ones to get rid of because that's when we're trying to be safe and secure. So those things are in there. And if you don't do anything to address it, that pattern is going to keep, you know, playing itself out for the rest of your life. It's not going to change until you become aware of it cognizant of it. See if it works for you still, or that you, if you want to rewire that you want to re-imprint that belief into something else, which is totally possible to do. So I feel like this is where it goes. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to speak on the socialized mindset because we get so much of our beliefs and our um, views of the world, our mental model from the outside. And it might not always be for our benefit, you know, depending on where you are in the world, you're going to get a different model of the world. So uh, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So in the same way that kids go through different developmental stages, all of which are necessary. So I, I want to take this sort of out of the context of adult development for a minute and put it in the context of child development. Um, we're not in the business of trying to help a child skip a developmental stage. Never. Right. We want to help a child transcend a developmental stage. We want to help them work through a developmental stage to internalize the lessons of that stage and then move on. And the same is true in adulthood. So um, being, uh, you know, developmentally for an adult, socialized mindset is sort of a lower order of development. That's where most adults live. 60% are in sort of socialized, some slightly below, but the, the vast majority in that sort of socialized um, developmental stage. It's not, it's not bad. It's just our job as adults is to transcend it, to work through it like a concentric, you know, rings of a tree, right? We're growing and developing and maturing, but it's part of the core. So, you know, part of a develop, uh, the socialized mindset is, um, we learn how to be a good citizen. We learn that our behavior and our actions affect other people. Um, we learn that um, we want to be loyal to the collective as opposed to just focusing on ourselves. This is all positive stuff. Like these are things we're trying to help teenagers understand, right? <laughs> like these are good lessons for a teenager. So it's not that it's wrong. It's that those skills um, and those lessons um, and those belief systems are really important to help a child develop. Like, yes, guess what? You are part of a bigger world and the way you engage and behave matters to other people. Really important to understand. Um, if you are joining the military, um, developing um, through the socialized mindset, probably pretty good. You're gonna be a really good infantryman if you uh, internalize these lessons right? Which is like, it's about the team. It's not just about me. Um, that's good. Okay. But if you want to be a leader, you are going to have to develop an entirely new developmental skill set because no longer are you good at towing the line. You actually have to be someone who can lead. So, um, you know, the, the benefits of the socialized mindset are that you develop empathy, that you develop a sense of community, that you develop a sense of like collective meaning, um, that you become a, a, a part of something bigger than you. Um, you're loyal to these belief systems. All of that's very beneficial and good. But as we develop and grow, we need to become more self-authored, right? So it's not like, um, uh, you know, the example that I would give, and this is like, um, if you, let's say you, you, you 
you're at work and you, you know, you blow some, um, like a meeting doesn't go well or a project, let's say like, you know, you, you kind of blow it on a project it didn't go very well. Um, or you didn't, you didn't do as well as you could have done. Um, and your boss is upset. Someone with a socialized mindset is so, is really focused on like, I let my boss down and that's terrible. And, you know, um, she might not respect me or he might not respect me anymore. And like the concern is external. Like I'm concerned about my identity that this person's going to think of me differently. Right. Because my sense of self is completely oriented externally in a socialized mindset. Someone's telling me how well I'm doing, who I am, what I'm about. Someone who is developed to someone who's developed into a more social, uh, sorry, self-authored mindset in that very same situation, they may be bummed that their boss is not happy. Like that's not awesome, but their primary concern is not, um, I'm going to be perceived as being bad, or I'm going to be perceived as not having done a good job. Their primary concern is I didn't live up to my own standards. Right. Like I, I, it's my, my values are that I, I, you know, that I show up in this way at work and I didn't live up to those standards. And that's the issue here. Right. That's the bigger problem said their own self-identity is at stake, not someone else's, um, you know, idea of who they are. So, you know, you can see it's like the same situation, the same probably set of emotions, but the reason, the meaning of these two situations completely different. Yeah, I love that. And I've never heard that before, the socialized mindset versus the self-authored mindset. It's, it's so important. There are some good things from you know being a part of the community, but it can also become detrimental. And uh, you talk about like the three Ps. I think those are so great for you to speak on because most people I work with have at least one of them, right? And so mm -hmm. again, identifying those um, and then how to release them, you know, uh, you know, what yeah. I'll preface is people pleasing, but so many people struggle with that. And if they let someone down, they're like, they're anxious about it for like a whole night or, or they'll think about it for weeks until they see that next person again. I was like, holy smokes. That's a, that's a, a very like imprisoned way to exist, to be alive, to be like kind of a slave to, you know, these kind of feelings and emotions, you know? So I, I'd love for you to speak yeah. on how we can kind of let those go. Yeah, so some of the three of the big symptoms of a socialized mindset are people-pleasing, um, um, procrastination, and analysis paralysis. You know, like it's, uh, I think that if you are not people-pleasing, <laughs> people-pleasing for sure, because your whole sense of self is externalized. So you're just... It's like you're living your life with a panel of Olympic judges. Like, did I do okay? How'd I do? What'd you think? Did I do well? You know? And again, if you are um, younger and you're kind of establishing yourself in the world and you're trying to like, you're figuring out what, who you are and what your identity is. And this is all part of the process. Yeah. Caring about mentors and adults and what, and like, am I living up to some standard that's important here? Like, that's really positive. It's a good thing. We want you to go through that period. That's really important. Um, you know, like we applaud a teenager who actually cares whether their teacher, um, you know, thinks they showed up, uh, and did the work and worked hard and all of those things like that's important. But if that persists and you're now, you know, in your thirties and forties, and you're constantly looking around, taking your temp, like asking everyone, how'd I do? 
right? You can see how that would be a massive obstacle to becoming a leader or to taking risks or um, to setting your own course in the world. So um, that becomes a really big problem. Um, the second one, sorry, it's not procrastination, perfectionism. That's the second one. Perfectionism and procrastination basically are synonym. But, um, you know, perfectionism is like, you know, I, I, it needs to look perfect. It's not that you need to be perfect. That's not what a perfection is, is actually concerned about because it's not even realistic or attainable. Someone who struggles with perfectionism needs you to think that they are perfect, right? They need to seem, be perceived as perfect. Okay, now you're in the little cage. And this is an, definitely a symptom of that sort of socialized mindset because your whole sense of identity, your self-concept is externalized to other people. You've sort of like delegated your, your identity to somebody else. Like you get to tell me who I am as opposed to I, I know who I am. Um, and so, you know, perfectionism, people-pleasing. And the third one is analysis paralysis. I can't make a decision. I mean, I have clients who are so brilliant. I mean, their resume would knock you over how incredible they are. And uh, they're getting coached on the sconce that they cannot make a decision about. Like they're, they're rent, redecorating a room and they're like, I can't pick a sconce. I don't know which one to pick. I'm like, really? This, this, this is it? This is what's going to, this is tripping you up, Right. But it's, a, it's hilarious and we laugh about it, but really what this is, is it's a symptom of that, of sort of still being stuck in that socialized mindset of like, in this arena, they don't know like what's the right thing to do. In another area, like maybe let's say they're a lawyer, like they know how they've nailed that ladder. Like they know exactly, you know, how to show up, what the ladder of achievement is, right? They've kind of sussed it out and they're good at it but they haven't mastered the skill of self-authorship, which is like, which is their self-concept internalized, that they can make a decision about something that seems silly to somebody else because they're just like, oh, I don't care if no one else likes it. I like it, I'm going. Right, so when someone is stuck in that analysis paralysis and, and the things that my clients will get stuck on not being able to make a decision on are pretty funny. I mean, really, this is what's happening in the world. And this is, this is the thing you're getting tripped up on, but they're, they're funny, but it's because they feel when it comes to like making a decision, making a decision is also every time we make a decision, you're, you're, uh, you know, expressing your opinion, you're expressing your voice out in the world. And if you are stuck in a socialized mindset, that is terrifying. So the goal, you know, I, our work in an adult, in adulthood is to transcend our socialized mindset and emerge into a more self-authored mindset where um, we've internalized the lessons of being socialized, which means we care about what other people think in a healthy way, right? We're not a sociopath. We're not like, who cares? Like, let's just act in do whatever we want. Like this whole, like you do you, like it's stupid. Other people matter, period, end of story. Our relationships with other people are just deeply important. So having empathy, having compassion, 
understanding someone else's perspective and point of view, deeply important. But we have to be able to hold those things as object to look at them, not to feel subject to them. So someone who's in a socialized mindset, like they're completely subject to other people's opinions. It's like they're, they're so enmeshed in them, they can't see straight. So in, an, in a self-authored mindset, we're able to hold people's opinions as an object and look at them and weigh them in the balance and make our own decision. Taking those into consideration and still making your own decision. So you can see why if you are in a leadership position, the demands of reality for you are that you develop a self-authored mindset because you're going to have to take everybody's various opinions and perspectives, whatever, into weigh them in the balance, hold them as object, be able to address them, look at them, and have the guts to still make your own decision, to lead from that place. So this is not for the faint of heart. It's hard. But this is our task as adults. Well, I love that summary. And it reminds me of, uh, uh, what's his name? Campbell. He was one of the leading uh, uh, physicists on simulation theory, Tom Campbell. And he just talked about how we need to grow up. Like we need to grow up as a species because when you start uh, making your own decisions, then you have to be accountable for what you do. If you're just following orders and you're just in the, so you're, you're just going along with everything, then there's no accountability. Well, everybody told me to, when I was told, you know, I'm just doing what everybody does. So there's no accountability there. So it is frightening to make your own decisions um, and take responsibility, like 100% total responsibility and accountability, but there's also freedom in that as well. Um, you know, to make your own mistakes, so to much. learn, to grow, uh, to be who you truly are. Right. To, and we, we become who we are through our mistakes and through our failures and through our successes as well. So that's also a part of it. Um, and there's and so much more freedom of movement, right? I mean, and just in terms of if, if you're not, if your identity is internalized, there's much more flexibility and freedom to make decisions, to chart your own course, to do your own thing, to um, recognize that someone might not like what you're doing, but in a respectful way, do what you want to, you know, with some gusto, like go out and live, you know, and not feel so constrained by, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, you know, we, this is, this is, I have clients in their fifties and sixties that are still, you know, locked into belief systems. Like, even though their parent may not be alive, it's like, but my, you know, there's this pervasive feeling of like, but my mother wouldn't approve of this thing. And here we are. It's like, that is tragic to me. You know, um, that it's exactly right. We all need in our own way, we need to grow up and do the work of growing up and it doesn't end at 25. Yeah, a hundred percent. It might, it might just begin. I use this analogy where like when you, when you have a daughter, might have a daughter, right? She's only two. And you know, well, is she grown up when she's five and she can ride a bike or when she goes to grade one, or is it when she's in high school or then she becomes an adult and knows things after university? Well, we remain basically children in this whole universe. Cause there's so much to know and learn. And uh, you know, if you talk to any of the great minds or read from them, they'll just tell you like the, the more I know, the less I like, I, there's just more to know. There's just, it's infinite, this reality. And so we're always growing and we're always evolving unless we choose not to, which many people think you're an adult, it's 25. So I know everything now is just to be able to navigate this life. Um, it just doesn't work like that. Um, I wish that I could talk to you for longer. So it's 1.53. So I know you have a hard stop. I'd love for you to share um, like 
I think that most people are going to deal with one or several of those. So could you give like your best tip or, or opportunity for overcoming that, whether it's perfectionism, um, people pleasing, like what's the best strategy to move forward with that and then make sure people can uh, find you and tell them any other details they need? Yeah. I mean, look, first and foremost, what I want to say to people is like, stop beating yourself up. There's so much chatter in the social media space and online space, whatever, like these things are bad. People pleasing is bad. Perfectionism is bad. Analysis paralysis is bad. Okay. <laughs> they may um, make your life more challenging. They're going to stymie you. They're going to get you stuck. That's true, but they're not bad. Like I'm very much hoping that my 11 year old boy can learn to be a people pleaser right now. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that's what he's learning to do because I will tell you what, last night we had dinner and I was like looking at him laughing, like, oh my gosh, he's a wild beast. I'm like, buddy, <laughs> utensils are there for a reason, right? So I, I, I actually want him to sit around at a table and actually care um, that, that, that have some manners, you know, and actually care about how he shows up. <laughs> if he can learn that lesson at, at this stage of the game, like we're doing great, okay. But then I want him to then take the lesson of like, okay, I know how to show up appropriately for people. I know that like I have to and like be respectful and it, like I'm gonna internalize these lessons. And then I want him to go out and then work on his own self-identity, right? And decide who he wants to be and what his self-authored values are. But so first and foremost, I wanna say like, stop feeling bad and criticizing yourself about these things. Like these are very normal. Every human goes through this process it's good. You're right on target. Like you're going through a process you should be going through. The question is, you know, can you take one tiny step to contradict that with the intention, not just of doing something new, but with the intention of actually questioning whether or not you're right. So can you say no to something that you're a little nervous about saying no to with the intention of questioning, you know, did I die? Did I lose this friendship? You know, did it blow up in my face the way I thought, you know, starting so small. A great way to start is to also just starting by researching people that you really respect and admire, like get into their mind. How do they think about this? Do they think the same way as you? Probably not. Right, really, and and these podcasts are so awesome for that because you have extraordinary people, and you're listening to and just pay attention. Like, how are they thinking about their problems? How are they thinking about themselves? Um, you know, what what are their mindsets? How is it different than mine? So helpful, and it's such an easy and kind of psychologically um, like it's an easy arena, right? Like you're not going out there and putting yourself in a position where it could all blow up in your face. So that's sort of the first step for me with clients is start to test out whether everyone thinks like you think everybody thinks this way. Maybe you're wrong. And I mean, I know they're wrong, but <laughs> they don't think they're wrong. They're like, no, 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 no. This is the way it's supposed to be. Like maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I not. Yeah. I love that. Just start small with where you are. Like that small, it's a, it's a, it's the mental pattern, like your map of the world. That's how I view it from neuro-linguistic programming. Totally. And it's just snapping that. And it's like, when you have this big neural network in your mind, any little firing creates this whole map of assumptions going on. So just start questioning one and then picking at it. And then over time um, you create new neural pathways or new actions. And you also spoke about that. So a new thought can lead to a new action 
and then eventually to a new belief. And it can be ingrained and changed. Uh, just like if you're very overweight, it's the same thing. It's going to be a new thought, right? And then a new action. Maybe you go for a walk and then maybe you just have one thing that's not, you know, you always eat ice cream after dinner. I like to do that. <laughs> so um, maybe just one day you don't or you make it and then that's it. That's how it starts to then shift it the other way. So it's not an all or nothing. You know, you don't just cut everything out and then go to the gym hard seven days a week. And, you know, it's like, no, no, I'm going to start to change my way of life in the ability that I can. Like in snowboarding, it's you start with a little tiny jump. Once you've got the basics down, then a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. You don't just go for the huge one. So it's the same thing in, in remapping your, your mind and your beliefs yeah. in the world. And it's totally possible. That's the thing. Start very, very small and just understand that it's possible. I think that that's the one thing I want to add. But where can people find you? Um, you know, talk as long as you want, but I know you got to go. But where can people find you? Thanks for coming on the show. Um, anything else you want to leave the listeners with? Um, oh, my gosh. It's been so much fun. I could you know, geek out on this forever. Um, so thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate this. Um, I, you can find me on Instagram at my handle is Dr. Sasha Hines. So D-R-S-A-S-H-A-H-E-I-N-Z on Instagram. And then also my website, same URL, Dr. Sasha Hines. I'm really excited because we are, I used to teach, um, courses, uh, and we do sort of an intense course with a smaller group of um, women to go through coaching together, but we're launching it. I'm opening it up to, uh, as a community. So, um, which I'm so excited. It's like, uh, a mind gym, which is, I'm just so stoked about this. We have, you know, we go to the gym, we go work out our muscles that that's sort of part of our, the world, the way that we take care of our body is we have this understanding of like staying fit. Um, for longevity, for, um, you know, just general health. And the same is true with our mind, right? Like, can we actually uh, have a place to go where we're getting coached, um, doing the work of self-inquiry, um, taking action, taking, doing hard things, taking scary action together with support and doing this and in a, in a community together. So Mind Your Mind, um, we're launching it in starting October 1st um, is, you know, the mind gem. I'm so excited about it. It's like, it's the, it's the, uh, you know, it, it's like my dream coming into reality. So fight. Well, that's amazing. I totally agree that we need to train our minds and our hearts and our spirits just as much as our physical bodies with people. Not everyone's absolutely that now, um, but where did you give a website? Did I miss that? Where should people go? Yeah. Same, same as, same as my Instagram, um, handle. So it's, um, www.drsashahines. So D-R-S-A-S-H-A-H-E-I-N-Z.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing your insights and your Such work. Such a pleasure. I appreciate you. Okay. See you guys. Thanks awesome. Thanks, Matt. Bye. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely incredible Dr. Sasha Hines. I hope that you enjoyed that show. I know that I did. It was chocked full of really practical tools and information. So if you did enjoy it, please share it. Uh, on any social, wherever you can talk about the podcast. Uh, that would be great. Uh, consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com for free or by donation. And if you are interested in working with me, you want to work on knowing and living your life purpose. You want to 
gain mental clarity, mental strength, and all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast from personal development, overcoming obstacles and traumas, and really developing a clear life path and purpose and using all the mental and spiritual tools to create that life. If that's something you're interested in, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. We'd love to hear from you. So that's it. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, passion, faith, courage, strength, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.